Welcome to the Mom to Mom podcast. Our hope is that this monthly podcast will provide both encouragement and practical help as you move forward in raising the next righteous generation. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, ladies. Today on our Mom to Mom podcast, we are interviewing Diane Wooster. Diane has been married for over 45 years to her husband, John, and together they have planted eight churches and have helped coach many others who have started churches and other ministries. She is a veteran mom of four men. What is remarkable about her journey is that she has two sets of twin boys who were two years apart. Yet through all this, John and Diane still invested in God's kingdom and were fully committed as a family to help others know the good news about Jesus Christ. Currently, they are on a new journey and have started a nonprofit ministry that is called Church Planting Leadership. I'm so glad to have this opportunity to interview you today, Diane. I'm so glad to be here too. And the boys is a, one of my favorite topics. So. <laughs> I love boys. And I had two brothers and four sons, and I was sort of a tomboy growing up. So getting boys was really sweet for me. Oh, well, I, you, you seem to have a lot of fun with them. Um, and you've also really inspired me in so many ways and even encouraged me in my own church planting family adventure. Um, so this will be exciting to talk about boys. Yes. Um, so today's focus will be on how to raise boys to be godly men. Um, so let's get started. Um, how about you tell me a little bit more about yourself, Diane? Okay. I grew up in Florida, and my dad was an engineer at, for NASA at uh, the Space Center, and he was a like a Eagle Scout master, and I had two brothers, and we went camping a lot, and fishing, and to the beach regularly, so I'm a real ocean lover, so, and, um, but when I was in high school, my high school did not have athletics, so it was sort of like this gap, because I would have loved to have been a girl today to be able to have more mm -hmm. athletics, and so, um, so when I had all those twins, we had been married 10 years. I had had two miscarriages mm -hmm. and um, lost one ovary to endometriosis. So we had been, as a couple, involved in helping start new churches. We raised support so I could work full-time, even though I didn't have any kids, it, with the church. And so I went from crying on Mother's Day with because I had no kids to cry on Mother's Day because I had four babies. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a lot of people help me. Uh -huh. Yes, community is very helpful in yes. parenting twins. <laughs> yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so what are some guiding principles you kept in mind as you were raising boys to become men who follow God? I would say um, early in our Christian life, to, um, John and I sort of grew up spiritually because I made a commitment to Christ uh, in college through a college ministry and he became a Christian had a radical conversion and so together we sort of uh, grew up spiritually and we were taught the Great Commission and the Great Commandment to love your the Lord your God with all your heart soul and mind and your neighbor as yourself so all the principles that we viewed or fell under those things, love God and love people. So those are, like for example, uh, I 
we had a commitment as a couple, even when we were dating, that we would try to have daily quiet times and, you know, get, be in a small group and discipleship relationships. So when we were married and then when we had kids, we carried that over as priorities with our kids. But, um, and then loving people, we had a picture of, from some of the men that had influenced John and through the churches we were part of that they would have a heart to obey God and clear up relationships. And um, for example, uh, for us, we made a commitment not to, after we were married, not to go to bed angry as that's something the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. And so that incurs a lot of late nights a lot of times. <laughs> we have that same commitment. <laughs> in so, you know, especially in our early years, but as recent as last night, you know, he, he said, I guess we've got to talk over um, when we were trying to simplify, we just moved in our house and I like to keep things and he's more on the get rid of things. So, and I was thinking, well, I don't even, we've had everything in storage since October. I don't even know what I'll want here. But so we had to clear that up. Mm -hmm. And so, um, having the goal to train our sons to love people covers a lot of areas. Mm -hmm. That includes serving others without complaining understanding that good things come from working hard with a good attitude and and for our loving people included my demonstrating to our sons how to follow leadership and it through how I responded to my husband's ideas and plans this was not easy for me because my husband's a strong leader who has lots and lots of ideas and plans and we are wired totally opposite I'm more like an engineer who can visualize, like my dad, everything. He got paid to be careful by NASA. <laughs> and so that carried over in our family camping. We had everything a camper could ever need for every camping trip. And so, uh, so even now, so my husband thinks a lot of ideas and he wants my feedback. And so my mind just immediately goes to what could go wrong, you know. <laughs> And what do we need to do to prepare for it? So he does want my feedback, but not all this negative stuff so fast in the idea process. So now somebody advised me, when your husband wants feedback, say, can I think about it a few days and give you some feedback then? And so the emotional tension of the situation died, lowers down. So that's helped a lot, as long as I do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and all our sons have turned out to be strong leaders, so my cautious nature has created conflict in parenting also. One example was when the two sets of twins were 16 and 14 years old. They wanted to drive three days to California from Texas to visit their friends. We had just moved away from them and they wanted to tend to youth conference and surf in California. My husband thought they were responsible enough to do this trip, so I needed to take a deep breath and consider it and say okay. Because my husband comes from a very independent, capable farmer family where they drove tractors on the farm in elementary school age. So 16 years old was old to them. They, his family thinks they can do anything. So the guys, our two sets of twins, never turned on the cell phone I sent with them. 
that was before kids were. Uh, yeah. And they didn't have any friends that had cell phones. Yeah, it was long ago. Because mm-hmm. then now they're 32 and 35. So they had. They also learned some life lessons because they had all their surfboards and boogie boards and CDs and skateboards stolen out of a station wagon they drove out there. Uh huh. Oh. Because they left it unlocked or who knows what happened. And so, so, um, but they felt a lot of joy and self-confidence mm-hmm. that we, our parents thought we were old enough to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's so common that young adults these days are not trusted to do the big thing or the hard thing or the adult thing. And mm-hmm. so that it's a step of faith for especially moms, I think. It was for me. Mm-hmm. And so that same summer, we, um, my husband met a sports missionary in Uruguay, South America, and we were heading to Brazil to teach some church planners. So he said, oh, it'd be perfect. We could fly to Brazil and they could just fly on to Uruguay for two weeks. <laughs> so here they were, 14 and 16, uh-huh. in Sao Paulo Airport. It's like the biggest airport. And so where we had to change planes, both of us, and I remember watching them go away and thinking, okay, with passports and <laughs> will they make it? But yes. they did, and they had a fabulous time, and um, learned mm-hmm. some really good lessons. And mm. God provided one one personal friend paid their whole support for mm-hmm. the mission trip because they really wanted to encourage young people to be involved in missions. Mm. So it sort of makes me practically cry to think of that because two of them, of those four, work overseas with mm-hmm. cross culturally. And that missionary said to me that um, he could really see one of them particularly stood out that um, is being so comfortable. And he was 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's ended up in college starting an international friendship club. And now he is long term working overseas. So you just never know what taking a deep gulp as a mom could mean to their calling. Mm-hmm. Wow, Diane, I it, I am so encouraged. I have a 15-year-old, and he is going off to Taiwan this summer. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so this is helpful for me to hear. Just, you know, yeah. just really take a, yeah. that deep breath and trust yeah. God, and he God can do amazing things That's in our right. son's lives, um, but we really have to trust him, and we have to release control. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> and let our let, let our husbands lead because they're men, so they yeah. know how to raise men. Mm-hmm. So that's really encouraging. And and the other thing that was really encouraging about what you shared was that your it's you ha, your faith is what flow that flowed into your children, and that is the faith that they have now taken with them into their adult lives. So those those two are really um, important things. So treating your sons as capable young men and teaching them how to prepare for life was a theme that I am hearing in what you're sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some other things that you did as you parented your boys? So, of course, um, a big thing is 
our thoughts and our words because our words come from our thoughts. And so um, I know, um, like in the book of James, uh, controlling our words was a real hard priority for us as a couple. We made a commitment to, before we had kids, to not bad talk our spouse. Like I wouldn't bad, would not bad talk John to my parents or my friends or coworkers. If we needed counseling about something, then we would go and talk to specifically about that, which is not as a, making jokes or fun stuff. So we held them accountable. Like life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And their, that their lives would follow the directions of their words, like the rudder of the ship in James. Book of James talking about. So for me as a mom, here I'll say, I could say to my friends, my kids are driving me crazy and I don't know what to do about it. I'm just, it's getting worse and worse. <laughs> to change this both in my words and thoughts, I need to speak the truth and say, my kids are acting in a way that I find very frustrating, challenging. So, um, but, here's the but. But I'm asking God for both wisdom to know how to deal with it and grace to, to handle it until we do figure it out. Do you have any suggestions for me? Mm -hmm. And so, because I really found that being teachable to others is sort of part of the reason for the crushing pressure that kids put on parents. It's because mm -hmm. we're in need, but we don't want to ask our friends or counselors because it's embarrassing that our kids are driving us crazy. Mm -hmm. And so we um, are, it's a choice, you know, to choose to control or direct our thoughts. And so John and I would help each other with that. And then our kids, you know, you know how mm -hmm. kids are saying, I can't do this, I hate doing that. And so we would teach them the same process to say, if God is having you do it, then he's going to give you the ability to do it and you must pray and ask for his help and let's get advice how to do it better and then change your words. It's not just mm -hmm. the words aren't the magic, it's the, the thought and your heart attitude behind mm -hmm. it. It seems like, you know, we have feelings and I like what you said. You acknowledge the feelings in yeah. a helpful way and then you speak the truth. Right. You don't just leave it open-ended. Yeah. Um, because that's what actually helps turn the situation around. Because right. mm -hmm. we find out what's in our heart by what we say. Mm -hmm. We say, whoa, I didn't know I was that frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> and then our, uh, we would try to be open and honest with our sons in the process of decision making. And uh, uh, for example, one time we moved and our, one of our younger sons who was going into sixth grade, he and I flew to the new city together. We asked, who wants to help mom pick out a house and a school? <laughs> and so oh he, he's a really strong leader on a lot of levels. And he said, I want to go. And so he interviewed with the principals of the schools near our house and helped me go with the realtor. And we chose the house and we sent pictures and information back to John. And basically he helped me choose where they, all the boys went to school. Hmm. So that's just like a little step for a, how old are you going into sixth grade? It's pretty young. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and then we would try to get them excited about the new city. I would go to the library or, or look on the computer for videos. And before school started, uh, we lived close to the public school that they were going to, and we went go play in the playground there several times a week before school started. So they knew their they knew the playground. They because um, one time somebody told me when we lived in Moscow, Russia, like to culturally adapt to a place. It's like you, you start in the center and you explore the place. Gradually you grow bigger and bigger. So you know where all your star stores are, where the playgrounds are, mm -hmm. and your kids, the same thing for them. Hmm. So, so um, what are some of the challenges that you faced as relating to boys as a, as a mom? Um, and, what did you do about them? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Number one for me would have to be all the noise uh -huh. and sort of the oblivious to when you're trying to get their attention. So you can visualize four little boys playing and they're, mm -hmm. I sort of called it sort of like under the water. You know, you're trying to get their attention and you go, Paul, Paul, or David, and you say it and you try to get their head to come above water and say, what? What? Like a little otter or something. What? What's, you you yes. were talking to me? And um, so one, later, like you said earlier, I found that there was a book about training children and they said getting their attention was step one. And so I had missed step one somewhere. And, and <laughs> very frustrating yes. thing. And so you can't tell them what you want unless you have their attention. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, it's a great insight. I wish I'd known her. <laughs> and so um, we did some things about the noise. We put solid corridors so we could have like small group meetings in one part of the house and the kids in the other part of the house. Or, um, we would try to set um, uh, play games and you know do all the boy stuff. My mm -hmm. husband's great with the boy stuff. I remember my husband visited your house, and one of your houses had just a big. Um, it was it was a volleyball court inside the house. <laughs> so yes, and he came home and told me, "You won't believe what's in this house." There's you know they play volleyball, and the volleyball goes into the kitchen, and Diane just laughs and throws it back. And I thought, "Wow, that is amazing." <laughs> So that was really inspiring for me, you know, when I was starting to raise my boys, um, we had a room that was empty and they played badminton in there, oh, and they yeah. played soccer, <laughs> and wall ball, everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that. yes. Awesome. Yeah, you really yeah. did influence me in that. <laughs> yeah, it was really a fun season. They were in junior high and high school, and mm -hmm. we told the realtor we wanted a room with double high ceilings so we could... Um, play basketball and it was just like this perfect room because it didn't, really did not have any exterior windows except for way up high uh -huh. and there was these archways that uh, protected the dining area so one time they had some international friends over and they were playing that volleyball and the volleyball came right through that little sliver of place where it could get into the dining room and kitchen uh -huh. and it hit 
had a big soda from a big gulp and boom and this <laughs> Japanese guy laughed and said this would never happen in Japan no <laughs> so we really did try to make life fun with them so yeah. that was because uh, the older twins middle name was fun and so uh -huh. and the younger guys were fun they were just a little bit more um, rounded in the work and fun <laughs> so um it sounds like you embraced the their boyness and let them just be noisy and and loud and you know within limits of course yes, of but course. you you helped them um yeah. with their goals right mm -hmm. uh when they were also in junior high somebody said Oh, uh, he was a musician and really talented. I said, oh, John and I are like zero on the music scale. And he says, well, get all your son's instruments and see what happens. You never know. And so in above that basketball room was a loft bedroom. So we get bass, guitar, drum set, guitar, <laughs> and um, got them all lessons. And so they made their own little band in junior high and helped lead <laughs> youth worship and made a CD and sold it to 30 of their friends. <laughs> and two of them can actually lead worship. Uh -huh. And David um, plays the djembe with worship teams. And Paul, you saw on that recent challenge video, he can rap quite, he was like the lead singer. So he, <laughs> we, I just laughed my head off because he's 35 and he's using part of the fruit of that junior mm -hmm. high band to get up in front of these college students and showing them that being a Christian can be really fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so as a mom, I thought, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Like Paul spent a lot of time becoming a fabulous um, skateboarder. I personally thought it was sort of a waste of time. But he went on a mission trip to Ecuador as part of a skateboard team. And they shared the gospel with hundreds and hundreds of Ecuadorian kids wow. on the skateboard team. So there you go. God can use anything. Oh, wow. That's, that's inspiring. I, yeah, I'm trying to encourage my boys to, to use whatever gifts they have that's for right. God. And it, it seems like all your boys are strong leaders. Um, how did you guide your strong-willed sons towards the right things? Boy, that is a good question. Well, there's a couple of principles. Part of the solution to the strong wheel is that you have to outlast them. <laughs> you have to be strong-willed too. <laughs> you, know, you just have to last longer than they do. And fortunately, my husband's very good in that department. But wait a minute. And the other, um, and we tried to back each other up. And so he really actually got in their face whenever they would disrespect me or not follow my instructions. So, and the other principle is we get more of what we praise and admire in our kids. So mm. try to catch them doing good and praise them and thank you. And I really learned this from Deborah Bullock because she was so mm -hmm. good with her kids. And thank you for bringing the dishes to the sink so carefully. I saw how you were kind and shared your toys with our guests. You carried my grocery bag for me, and I appreciate it so much. You're getting stronger. And so we must all fight not to see the boy and manly stuff as 
so negative in sort of it's sort of like this clay that really hasn't been formed yet into the final form mm -hmm. so we don't you know it bugs us sometimes but we have to see that this isn't the end of the story it's all part of the process mm -hmm. hmm. so the process um, probably had a lot of transitions um, what are what are some of the things that you did to adapt um, your parenting strategy when you went when you found yourself in, in a new phase yes there's a lot you know parenting has a lot of new stages and I've dealt with chronic feelings of being overwhelmed by all the work of parenting two sets of boy twins and um, so John was great about coming with new strategies for the phase he's famous for the coming up with the forget the pajama strategy <laughs> that was forged when he watched the boys for 10 days when they're like one and three and sent me to visit his family in Hawaii for a rest he thought it was more efficient to give the baths at night and then dress the twins in the clothes they would wear all the next day as opposed to dressing them in pajamas and again in the clothes and he said oh that's just like a waste total waste of time so when I came home from Hawaii he said I packed away all the belts and buckles and stiff fabric and we're just going to wear soft clothes and then he got rid of, he packed up all my heavy stoneware dishes. You, I couldn't even pick up six stoneware plates to serve dinner because I was so weak from bed rest of mm. having those twins. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to do it in stages which is sort of crazy and so uh, gradually I got stronger, could have done it but he went out and bought Corel where he can probably stick. 20 of them for the site. <laughs> and, and you drop them and they won't break. They don't yeah. break and the kids could help with dishes. And then he, we had four high chairs so you put up step stools between each set of two of them. So it'd say climb up into your high chairs. None of this oofa, 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 oofa for my back. Uh -huh. so, and then we'd have to change uh, training and discipline methods for toys and so, all those kind of things, uh, really, and a lot of help from others. A mom, older mom said to me, did you know that you can train your boys to do anything that your husband and you decide is important? I did not know that. Hmm. And so that was like, you know, there's historic crossroads as a parenting, you know, she, she, to give you hope. And so... Um, and I don't even know if I had asked her advice, but that was the time that God mm -hmm. just said, Diane needs to hear this. And so she also mm -hmm. suggested we train our boys to go to bed earlier so we could have time as a couple, a little sanity time after chaos. So we started putting them to bed at 7 o'clock at night. And one time David said, Mommy, it's not even dark yet. And I said, it will be. And, uh, <laughs> So, you know, it's just like, because our desire and will got, was stronger than theirs mm -hmm. when we decided we needed this to survive. We were talking about surviving for 20 years of twin, two sets of twin parenting. And when I met a, at Twins Club, a lot of the moms with two sets of twins had left, actually left their husbands and mm -hmm. left him with all the twins. Mm.
because they were so stressed out. So all this advice people were giving me was like, save your marriage, save your sanity, kind mm -hmm. of serious stuff. Mm. Wow. Um, how about some training um, discipline methods? Do you have any wisdom from oh boy that <laughs> area? <laughs> yes, and so uh, I I think that first of all, you know, you want to make your house uh, a yes place. So say yes as much as possible. But when you do say no, you gotta let them know you need business. And so you would either, you know, withhold a privilege or if you have some type of physical uh, punishment in some way that, you know, that you would do it in a way that's loving and it's calm, not in anger. And uh, let people then say, you deliberately rebelliously disobeyed me and so then take mm -hmm. your time so I know that we we did that with our kids and so that helped mm -hmm. and so mm. tell me about the toy jail oh <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had known that when I had toddler boys <laughs> yeah so when they got a little bit older and they knew how that they they're they need to, when we say time to clean up, mm -hmm. and then they left some things out, then those toys that got left out would be put in the toy jail. And then <laughs> my husband had this boy complicated kind of strategy to getting points for doing good things, you know, like carrying your dishes to the, ta you know, the sink or cleaning up or picking up your towel, not just throwing it on the floor, all those kind of things were positive points that they could use to buy back their toys to play with from the toy jam. Oh wow, that is that is golden. I'm sure some of the moms will be able to use that. <laughs> it's a little complicated. But... How about some things that you did with your, your teenagers as they became teenagers? So there is another big creative thing. So like our boys were real involved in athletics and so we were trying to figure out how could they make some money because they have retreats or mission trips or clothes and they want these cool basketball shoes. So somebody that we knew had a gumball candy business and so John said well um, we why don't we buy the machines and during spring break when there's no athletics, they can go around to the biz local businesses and get them placed. So we actually bought 100 gumball business machines, double-headed things for gumball <laughs> and Mike and Ike's. And, and I went with them and John went with them, trained them how to do it. And then the guys that knew how to drive could go up, got some, hired some of their friends to help place them and we paid them. So each boy had a route of maybe 20 or 25 machines. And so, oh <laughs> so like every other week they would raise, they go and take the candy, and fill it back up and take the quarters out and we count it and they would have made all their spending money that they needed in high school. Those machines. <laughs> and so one of the like I said, one of the fruits of that was in college they 
became involved in a campus ministry where they tried to go up and meet people. And so they um, do surveys. And one of the sons came home and said, oh boy, doing surveys on college campus is way easier than placing gumball machines. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, well, so if you do some hard things mm -hmm. with your family, either like I grew up working out on a farm, that was hard work. So when my husband works in the yard, he doesn't think it's hard mm -hmm. in comparison to baling mm -hmm. hay. See, cutting your grass compared to baling hay. But suburban kids, they don't really have much to mm -hmm. compare. So he would try to think of, like we bought the house, the basketball house also had a swimming pool that was full of dirt. Mm -hmm. And so he and the guys dug all the dirt out of that pool with the help of the backhoe and all this sluggy, mucky mess. And so mm -hmm. then we had a swimming pool basketball house, but they had done the manly work of mm -hmm. digging it out. Mm. So, your mom, I was the, like, pull the most. It was good for me because <laughs> I love to swim. Yeah. So. so, experience transfers right. into their, um, right. for their adult mm -hmm. uh, lives. Uh -huh. right. That's true, yeah. That's having them do hard things and challenge challenging boys um, is helpful for them to be able to push themselves later on right, right. when they're adults. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, how about, do you have any, any tips for moms um, that have boys that are heading into adolescence? Like any, any other things you would encourage the moms? Yes. <clears throat> so parenting in faith and not in fear has been my challenge and my goal. When our four mm -hmm. sons were close to junior high age, I asked a woman at a parenting class, um, oh, I said, I'm really worried about the teenage years. And she said, stop right there. Teenage years do not have to be the mm -hmm. terrible years that people like to warn you about. Mm -hmm. So why don't you pray right now that God will help your sons walk with God through their teenage years. So somehow in my heart, uh, that was maybe one of the second largest turning points in mm -hmm. me as a mom, like a lever of faith. Just saying, mm -hmm. oh, wow, I, God can do that. And so I really began, began to pray that God would have mercy on mm -hmm. our sons and spare them from some of the bad choices that, and for them to trust God. Hmm. We do, we're only responsible to do our part, love God and love them and train them. Our children are responsible to God and we can guide them, but we can't control their choices. Their choices are the scary part of being a mom. Mm -hmm. So we must walk by faith and trust God with that. We do our best to parent in faith, leaving the results to the mercy of God. Yes, I've, I've found myself praying a lot more these days for my 15-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you cast vision for your boys um, to identify the right attributes in women as they got older? And what are some practical ways you train boys to treat women? Well, so that's a really important area. Mm -hmm. We tried to 
show them models in like scripture, like in Proverbs, and praising models of young women and young men at church that um, had, we would like that maybe volunteered with the youth that were really good models. And I bought a ton of resource books about Christian dating and how do you know things and laid them all around and sent them on trips with them. <laughs> Finally, they, I don't know if they pay much attention to it, but one son in particular uh, got uh, real sick on a mission trip and he ended up reading that book and it really was part of the story of God speaking to him to change some things in his life. Mm. And, <laughs> and we shared our dating story mm -hmm. and other stories. So. Mm. Um, what is a major theme God is currently teaching you? Since my sons are men of 35 and 33 now, my main goal is to treat my sons and my beautiful, gifted daughter-in-laws with love and respect. I admire them so much and thank God how he's using them. And I also learn a lot from them. Uh, the biggest choice and challenge for me is not to give unsolicited, unsolicited advice, not to share things. So, uh, because you, you make this transition from mother when you're teaching and training and giving advice, and that's your job is to help them be successful and so now that they're adult men you I have to learn to keep my mouth shut until I'm asked for my advice mm -hmm. and so and uh, and I also want to be a support to them and modeling Christian character before we you have know, five grandkids so we're ex which we're excited about hmm. yeah um, it, it Faith seems to be a theme throughout the whole um, parenting journey mm -hmm. that you're sharing with me. You've had to have faith and you've had to trust God with your boys and now you're having to trust God with your men. Right. And uh, <laughs> sure. never stop. Yeah, it doesn't ever stop. <laughs> yeah. That's um, very encouraging. <laughs> yeah. And then also just noticing your prayer life has just really been important in this journey as well. And listening to advice um, from wiser people and being teachable been um, have been very monumental for you too Seriously. yeah, yeah um, I, I one of the things that was encouraging to me when I first met you was the you would call your family team Wooster and, and this is at the very end of your parenting journey your your boys were teenagers mm -hmm. and you would talk about your family like that and that really was helpful for me think oh yeah we are a team and we're doing yeah. something together we're you know we're 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 a family but we're also on a mission um, from God yeah so it's mm -hmm. such a joy to be on the same team mm -hmm. with uh, young adults that um, love God and want to please Him. It's very fulfilling. Hmm. 
all that sacrifice and now you can <laughs> enjoy the fruit of that. <laughs> um, what is one way you would like to encourage a mom who is currently in the trenches of parenting? I would like uh, to encourage um, a mom, every mom to think about plant, parenting your kids. It's like planting a lot of seeds in the garden because we water the seeds and we weed them and we try to plant them in good soil with potting soil and we try to protect them from predators. That's why sometimes seeds are started in little starter cups in your mm -hmm. kitchen window. Seeds often do better uh, when they have all this good environment. But, you know, of course, every plant is different. Some wildflowers, you can seeds you can just throw on the ground and they're, uh, they grow great. But it's sort of like church planting, that verse that says, some plant the seeds, some water them, but the, God causes the growth. So it's, we do our part. It's a long, it's a long process, a long road that we're planting those seeds of love, training, experiences, and doing our best to model things. But in the end, it's the mercy of God that mm -hmm. He blesses our children with, that protects them, helps them repent from bad choices, and makes them make good choices. And so, to cry out to Jesus for our mm -hmm. mercy and then to try to make our lives be walking and pleasing to Him is the best possible advice I could give anybody. Thank you so much, Diane. Thank you for taking the time today to share how you raised your boys. Um, as a mom of two boys, this is really helpful and valuable information. And, um, and I feel challenged to see our world and to really grow in my compassion towards them and to really trust God with my boys um, and really leave the results to Him. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. And I trust God with you for your sons and daughter. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope that you've been encouraged to move forward in your parenting journey and that you have some practical next steps you can readily apply. Join us again next month for another Mom to Mom podcast. <laughs>